0: It is Inspire Week 2020. Today we discuss new team stuff, power apps. Not news, no news today, but key segment takeaways from Inspire. I am Michael Askins, architect at Labs, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. Today in the virtual studio, we have returning champion Rob Gates. How are you doing, Rob? I'm
1: good, thank you. <laughs> so uh, how's Inspire Week been treating you? Uh, it's good, it's good. I mean, lots of lots of good insight and info and, and uh you know, good to hear all of the innovation that's, that's rolling out across the stack and, and uh, really interesting stories to hear, you know, of how organizations have been able to really pivot and, and adjust to things going on with COVID and, and sort of keep themselves operational and in some, some instances do better, you know, through their, through their life cycle. So it's been really interesting to hear. Yeah, there there is a there's a couple tones that I picked up that I'm, I'm sure we'll talk
0: about throughout uh, throughout the show today. But staying safe is one of them. Everybody's remote for this Inspire, and just for those who might not know what Inspire is, because uh, we post it on social. Like when you when you subscribe as a partner, you get this digital swag pack to start posting on social. That hey Inspire conference, and and I had an actual couple customers, two of them, reach out and like, what is this conference and how do I go to it? Then I have to say uh, you can't because. <laughs> You have to be a partner. So it's a it's the world partner conference that is what it used to be labeled as. It's now called Inspire. And the, the good news of that for the customers are and clients is that we're getting all the information we need to have from what Microsoft plans to do in their next year. Uh, And and again, another footnote is, is Microsoft year ends in June. So July one starts their new year. Uh, So it's really good to see the path, what technologies are gonna come out, what things that we're getting as partners to enable us to help service you a client. Uh, So it's super cool that they have this. It's used to be in person. We called it uh, Perspire because it's normally in a warm area and you're usually zigzagging all over a town and you get heated up wearing your suits for your meetings and whatnot. But uh, we're all comfy, safe and cozy in our homes with the air on. So um, did you find it uh, better? And I I know you've been to them in the past. Did you find it better being remote? I mean, I, I found that a couple things about it was that number one, I could attend more things. Number two, if something really didn't apply to me, normally you're scrambling to something nearby to find something that does apply to you. It's really easy to pivot and stay nimble and get to things that apply to you and your organization. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the ability to catch sessions that I probably wouldn't be able to catch in person just because you have to shift between the different locations and areas or or like I said, you find out there's a session, maybe it's not in line with some of your goals and objectives. And then you're quickly spinning to, to find something where here you can actually just grab an on-demand if you just weren't, you know, aligned with that particular session or jump into another one that's currently streaming. So that's been helpful. Um, some of the interesting ways that we've, you know, kind of been able to engage with partners and sort of back and forth. Um, definitely interesting. And I like the live chat in, in the live sessions too. It's kind of helpful to see other people's thoughts and questions. So it's been, it's been, Different, but you know, I think it's it's all good. And um, you know, setting up the virtual meetings between people using the the, the connection tools been been helpful as well.
0: Yeah, it most definitely has. The one thing I did find that was uh, a little difficult with the connection tool, uh, there were several meetings between partners that we had as an organization for the day job. Um, that we needed to have multiple people there and it didn't really allow you to forward or add multiple people. At least it wasn't apparent to me how to do that easily and a couple other partners too as well. So we took the opportunity to make the one-off meeting in the inspire tool. And then we spun up if we had more than one person there, we spun up a teams meeting uh, and then everyone just joined there. We kind of linked it back to the inspire thing. So that was super cool. The other thing I found, um, really good was the fact that some of these sessions, I mean, they capped them. They were half an hour. Boom. You had a half an hour to get into your brain. So um, the ones where you were getting information, uh, and I'm not saying this negatively, being spoken to, where, there were, where the presenters were laying to you, uh, I would love that. The ones that were the partner connects, where all the partners get into a room, uh, or the ask the experts, sometimes I know this, that uh, there was a little bit of time like we'll give it a minute like the typical business meeting oh we'll give it a minute for laggers to join and then you're already like two minutes into your half an hour and then all of a sudden the introductions now you're five to eight minutes into your half an hour so i I think maybe some expedience there could have been helpful but everything was good i i love the format and this really tees up the stage for inspire which for clients and customers listening that is one that you can most definitely attend and inspire is going to have a similar format i believe Is, is have you heard anything around that you mean ignite? Sorry. Or ignite, I meant. Sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're at Inspire. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what the format will be, but I'm, I'm assuming it'll be something in a similar structure. Yeah, for sure,
0: and I think the timing was perfect too. Um, uh, and I know that's a bit a big takeaway since we started working remote is capping meetings and stuff to like 20 minutes if you need a half an hour, 40, 45 if you need an hour to try to get as much time back. So that was definitely good. Um, so, you know, one of the things that always happens is you hear the, Microsoft has something called a key segment, which in previous years was called a core note, which other industries call keynotes. So that's kind of a long crosswalk to get to, to what I'm going to ask you here. So the key segment messaging, there were two main key segments. Now, in-person inspires, there's usually one on every three main days. Uh, the first two are more general, and then the third is more specific to what you do. Um, so they had the two main the main big ones and what were your thoughts on the messaging during the both key segments? Did you, um, were you inspired? Uh, did you find them um, anything new, any new information or was it just a, a, a reaffirmation of what you've already known?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's, it was a little combination of both. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I've seen in sort of the, the, the projects and the, and the efforts that I've been working on where, you know, clearly remote work is is here to stay you know, to a degree and, and, you know, having that as a, you know, sort of a disaster recovery scenario. If you can't work in the office, everybody just literally gets up, pivots and goes back to those remote locations. So there's definitely a, a confirmation of that. And then I think, you know, this, this concept of, of really reevaluating business process workflows and, and, and looking at what can we automate, what can we do that, you know, we traditionally had to do on, on site, and, and how can we enable that to be done anywhere I think that's definitely a key and obviously some of the new tools and, and technologies that were announced were definitely helpful around that
0: yeah I absolutely agree with that so the one thing that I always find uh, super good that is one of the reasons why you know there I say I love the organization of Microsoft is is a lot of the messaging around Um, What they do to give back. So, you know, every industry has been hit pretty hard and and we've seen Microsoft like retooling themselves and and drawing back some of their, you know, brick and mortar facilities that were selling stuff, uh, you know, certain Microsoft stores and things like that. So so we know that there is a challenge across all of organizations. And and when you stop and you hear that they're going to stay with their commitments for sustainable energy and and providing for you know equality and providing for making sure that you know women in workplace and minorities and 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 what have you diversity all has they're keeping all of that and they're even doubling down on some of those areas. Uh, To me, that makes me feel really good. That it's not that like hey. I got a horse in the fight and this is my horse and we're out in front it's not that it's just that it makes you feel good being connected to an organization that that definitely cares as much and and you can tell it's genuine and it's not for pr um so you know that made me feel really good hearing that every year i hear those stories and those presentations and even at ignite we'll see some of those again um I, i love that about microsoft so um, I, I know we talked briefly about this, you know, from, from a messaging perspective, you know, how does this help partners in turn help clients? So we kind of mentioned a bunch of, we, we get some of the information on the tooling and things of that nature. Um, the question I have for you around that space is, is that a lot of the stuff that's presented and given to partners a lot of it can be available to to our customers and our clients as well directly so so how do you see the play of say a partner when using a tool versus a customer going and getting getting a tool so a bunch of sessions around azure and migrations and application refactoring some of the messaging was this here's these here's a link to the tool and you didn't have to be a partner to get access to it and it was pretty complicated but so what is your take on Partners and customers, the general public, I should say, getting access to the same types of tools.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's you know, it's it's a great opportunity for folks to to see and listen and learn and understand the the technologies and the capabilities, right? So, understanding the art of the possible is is important. You know, when you know you think about where, when do you use a partner? When do you try to do it yourself? I always evaluate like, you know do I want to be in the business of doing this task or is this task that, you know, something that I need to do on a recurring and long-term basis? So, cause you know, you got to think about it. There's a whole skill up aspect. I've got to learn, build up the skills around that technology, and then obviously implement and then manage it. And is that really a core facet to my business or should I maybe bring that over to a partner who's doing this repeatedly across multiple customers and, you know, leverage their skill set and sort of their, their ability to to do it quicker because they've learned and went through all the mistakes and challenges and and begin to implement it. So it's it's kind of a balance. I mean there's some scenarios where it makes sense to 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 do it because it maybe it ties into certain business process or workflows and it's just part of the steady state. Or, you know, again, bring in that partner. So I think it depends. I mean I think there's also a lot of opportunity right now to to really revisit business process and those workflows. Like spend time taking a few moments and and this is where you want to bring in a partner and into those, those discussions as well. Cause you want to think about how can we re-architect different you know, components and workflows and process where you can, again, streamline it or, again, make it so that it can be done from anywhere. Yeah, for
0: sure. I agree with that 100%. You know, I refer to uh, we re- the day job I recently had a, we call them bailouts. So when a, when a customer t- takes a, a tool that's, you know, publicly available and they try to do it themselves and they just like run into a wall or they're like tripping on. Them. So we call them bailouts. We just swap, swat in, get them realigned and then swat out. So I, I call that the been there, done that factor. So in like, you know, the, we we see a lot of that stuff as IT pros across many different types of configurations and organizations. So um, to your point earlier, that that's definitely definitely a factor. And the other thing too, that I I noticed is, is the uh, forest trees, you know, so when you're in there and you're in your own space, you know, when you're looking to move something, a lot of the times you're replicating what you've done already and not taking a critical look. So you can't see, you know, the forest from the trees You're just, you're in the, in, in the midst of it all. So, you know, getting some outside perspective is definitely helpful too. And, um, I think that with the tools that they release to us and the tools they released to us and the public, I think that's going to be some of my messaging personally is, is the been there, done that in forest trees. Um, and I can't emphasize enough that, you know, we we want from from a technology perspective self-sustaining moving forward you you have and own your your own solutions and and I think that's one of the great messages that I heard on a uh, power apps which we'll talk about here shortly uh, but power apps um, is is enabling of people but there's areas they're gonna not know and so being able to pivot and handle that is a def- definitely good I believe. Um, one of our next topics that we kind of listed out was some of the new Teams stuff. I know you're a huge Teams guy. <laughs> so uh, um, I know Teams has been making the news recently uh, in, in multiple aspects, specifically around adoption rates, you know, all-time highs, amounts of users. We're seeing gobs and gobs of um innovation and people making that their landing place and single place for their employee engagement. And they're constantly, constantly adding, they being the development team, constantly adding new stuff. So, what is your take, anything you picked up on in the last whatever period that you can tell people to, hey, look forward to this, this is a game changer for you.
1: Uh, You know, it's interesting, I've been in sort of the unified communication and collaboration space for i don't know forever for you know for the most part I mean since Cisco bought a company called Celsius mm. and you know the 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 vision of being able to have you know your entire sort of work experience whether it's your phone your meetings your chat and collaboration and you know being able to to manage your high velocity conversations in sort of an organized structure right the teams and the channels um, you know, I think it's always been a dream and a vision, and and you know things that I used to do in the Cisco world and other platforms, you know, it 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 was kind of there, but never really sort of fit in that same level. And I think between that, the the cloud and sort of the the backend kit components, as well as just like what Microsoft's done from a global network and the speed performance, um, yeah, I mean it's an interesting. And I think like you mentioned, like the features and functions that are rolling out, little little features that can be really transformational, just like the new pop-out meeting window. So now you can kind of use the team's client in that real true multitasking fashion where you could be engaged and working on taking notes or doing other tasks in the team's client and still have your meeting window up and still see the presentation or see the audience in that in that mode. Um, I really am a big fan of sort of that, that large gallery view. Yeah, and, same. You know, like, <laughs> there's a lot of times where I'm doing presentations and and talking, and I want to engage the audience, and I really want to be able to, you know, kind of read the room and see how people are reacting to the data that I might be providing. And you know, to have 50 people, 49 people plus, you know, sitting in the screen really does change that. And and I've I've used the new uh, Together View, and it's it's really interesting. Um, it changes sort of the experience where, you know, it removes all the other distractions, you know, and uh, from the background and everything. It's just the person and everybody sort of spread out across the, you know, sort of that stadium view that's that's currently available. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But I, mean, I think it's it's just a lot of, you know, great innovation and, and, you know, it does require a little bit of thinking about changing your workflow, like how many times do you send emails to people with attachments, right? Do we really need to do that when we can be in teams and channels, leveraging SharePoint OneDrive, sharing links? you're going to get version control security all these other pieces that are behind the scenes so it does take a few minutes to think about your business process and workflow but uh i don't know i'm i'm 100 behind teams i love it (laughs) yeah same 100 early adopters well
0: you know that uh the second was made available (laughs) one of the organizations we were at we had it installed we were moving forward and then we connected with you and team and uh so yeah it's definitely uh, a game changer for sure um so when when I think of teams, uh, I, I'm starting to think of it differently now because of the nature of what I've been doing mostly, which is a lot of um, I I use a I'll use a throwback term which is starting to resurface again. I do a lot of evangelism. From a technological perspective, and I do a lot of uh, demonstrations and and things of that nature, um, as well as a lot of video. So like I have like a whole video. So I got like a bunch of video cameras and there's always video like green screens and all kinds of stuff going on for other content. But when it comes to like live events or engaging directly with customers, like you said, you know, I am this on teams talking to a camera and you know I think one of the things that we we have the younger crew, uh, younger aged people tend to talk to the camera more naturally than some of the older people because uh, it, they sometimes feel odd talking to a little box with a little orange or red light next to it. Um, the challenge I have is that I don't necessarily care about I, I'm going to say this flippantly appearance. Um, I care more about content and, you know, the passion that drives me from a technological perspective, but I find myself now like, okay, I need to move that light because I'm catching glare off my glasses and this shirt's clashing with the digital background I have behind me. I am get my head's getting lost. And so I'm starting to make strategic things. So when I'm talking to, you know, anywhere from five to I did a a live event last week, 500 people uh, doing this conversation. If I'm wearing a black or green shirt, my head's, I'm a floating head. So you start thinking about things that you normally don't when you're in front of the camera all the time. Is there any kind of tips for people? Um, uh, Side note, uh, I forget the presenter's name. It'll come to me probably after we're done recording. He did fireside chat literally like next to his fireplace. It was like so awesome. You can tell he's just like sitting on the hearth of his fireplace, like talking, you know, but is there any any tips for people that are engaging? Um, To your point, gallery view makes it easy for us when we're presenting, but
1: a lot of people aren't
0: familiar with this kind of a thing. What kind of tips do you have for people?
1: Well, I mean, I think just having video up and, and, and especially right now, because we're all remote and, and it's very difficult to get together, especially in group fashion, um, having video up has been, I think, probably the biggest game changer. And it, and it really has changed the difference. It does, you know, like when Teams first came out, I think, it, you know, when you look at the adoption rate, most people joined the meetings with the video off. And yeah, we talked, we conversed, shared our slide decks and stuff, but it wasn't the same. And then, you know, we actually had started in our group that I work in um, using video a lot more often. And what kind of helped with that was that like our leadership team bought in early on, and this was about a year and a half ago, that video is really an important piece to create that engagement. Because like my group, we're distributed already. So like we have to work, you know, together virtually. And you know, so our manager started showing up in meetings with video on. Of course, if your manager's on with video, you're going to follow along and be on with video as well. Yep. Um, so when COVID hit and and everybody had to be dispersed, uh, for honestly our group, we really weren't sort of phased in that fashion because we were used to having video up and work together. And it it takes a little bit of time to get used to. And like you said, you know, you want to have your appearance look somewhat decent. And, you know little things like making sure your lighting is correct right don't sit behind a window with a lot of bright light coming behind you because you're going to get sort of washed out in that picture um so just positioning yourself make sure you look you know from a lighting perspective you got good light because you could have a really low-end camera but if you've got decent lighting your video is going to look really good you know yeah. you could have the best camera in the world but if you've got poor lighting i mean it just, <laughs> it's just it's going to fail so you know there's a little bit of that you know just sort of playing around with the lighting and making sure you're satisfied and, and that you'll look good on the screen but you know, once you've got that nailed down, it's it's pretty consistent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you yeah, know, JG, uh, normal cohort on our on our uh, shows here. He uh, he's he's missing this week. He had some some personal things to tend to. You know, one of the things I kept telling him when we were having meetings and stuff like that was like, dude, you're like a silhouette. And so, like, he he bought a blackout blind. Because one of his windows is, you know, super bright. So he got actually got a blackout blind, and it's like, it's like exponential. It's like a small change, like putting – like you mentioned, changing lighting is – completely changes the dynamic of things. Um, yeah, for sure. So the other thing I wanted to, to touch on real quick about, uh, about that is it's hard to find a good camera. I, I got people, like, messaging me, like, here's this camera from – Insert country here with an odd name I've never heard of because like they can't find Logitech cameras anywhere, or, you know, any any decent camera. And, you know, unfortunately, I say this because I got a Surface Book 3 as my daily driver. The audio and video on it is phenomenal. But my configuration You'd be seeing like the side of me talking because it's like it's not right in front of me. I have this giant screen right in front of me. So I have this external camera. So I, I, I know that people get aggravated when they get some knockoff camera and it's just not the best and they can't do. It's not supported for some of the teamsy things. But uh, like you mentioned, just get a decent camera. It doesn't have to be high end and, and make those changes just to make it doable, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the other best practices too is positioning of the camera. Right. Don't have the camera way down too low, because then people are kind of it, almost looking up your, <laughs> up your nostrils in that respect, yep. right? And then yep. also don't have it too high, because then you're kind of, it's kind of weird looking up. So yep. keep it at eye level, right? And then just sort of, again, lighting is important. I mean, I think, you know, people are a little less concerned, or they're a little more tolerant if there's, you know, the video isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. I think the the other side of that coin, though, is make sure your audio is decent, right? So have a good headset, you know, find a good headset that's got maybe some noise reduction or it's got a good microphone like a boom mic or something so that your your audio comes over very solid and, and it's crystal clear. Um, you know, it's very difficult when you're trying to pay attention to somebody and, you know, they're on some cheap little headset or, or yeah. you know, something that's maybe like, you know, one of those uh, earbud style headsets with the microphones rubbing against your shirt. And you yeah. just keep hearing the static of you know as they're moving around. So <laughs> I think audio is probably the biggest piece. I, I if I had to invest in anything right out of the gate, I, it's a good headset, you know, good microphone kind of scenario. Yeah, for sure. So so we record on Yetis,
0: um, but we have other other microphones too for recording standalone audio. But uh, the one thing I wanted to also throw out there, I found this out, is that I got several cameras, and one of the ones I record a lot of the content for. Uh, the day job is a Canon M50. It's a mirrorless camera. And they have the driver in which you can install on your machine. And then Teams will recognize that as a camera. And you can actually use a high end, you know, I'm going to get a little photo nerdy here. It's like you can use a high end, low F stop, low or big aperture, low F stop number lens on it super wide and it's like the video that comes out of that is just amazing especially through teams so if you, if you if you can get a good quality camera but i'm not saying everybody needs to go buy m50s for their teams meetings i'm just saying in general but if you can get a decent camera or better than decent camera and a good headset like you mentioned it only makes teams better because there's stuff that they've announced that they've actually did more tuning on the noise reduction stuff in teams so the you know the vacuum on the second floor where a high end mic would pick up gets canceled out or you know maybe the car rolling down the street gets canceled out and you don't hear that like right now my dog in the other room is a little whiny because my wife's uh, out of the house right now and she really misses her <laughs> so but you can't but you can't hear it on this recording because it's getting canceled out right or at least i don't think you can you can't hear it can you
1: I cannot yeah. hear it now.
0: Yeah, so so Teams is doing a great job at automatically helping you. So help yourself just a little bit more by getting the right gear. Um, so pivoting to one of our last topics, uh, kind of in line with you know, you know Teams and. Power apps, and I say in line because we like to build Power apps for teams. Uh, there was a lot of stuff on Ed Inspire this week about Power apps. Um, obviously, they showcased a, a lot of um, facility management when it comes to like COVID response and and worker uh, response and things like that. And a lot of those a lot of those apps and things look really cool. Um, what does that mean for your average business? What does that mean for um you're a citizen developer or you or you don't you have it or you're not even using it um i think you're going to hear a lot more noise personally coming out of inspire from partners like us for the day job and from microsoft what is your what is your take on the path forward with power apps over the
1: next year you know i think it's it's really an interesting opportunity i, I i've personally used the power automate side of it quite a bit just to automate different things that I do on a repetitive basis where I'm grabbing data from somewhere, putting it somewhere else and, and some different tasks and functions, or I've created a form because I want people to put some data in and then I want it to trigger them and do some actions, right? So I've definitely been using the power automate a lot more. Um, you know, the power app side is really interesting. So I have a, a colleague who, you know, and, and I never really thought about using it to this level of depth, but it, you know, there's this document that we, our group generates on a, you know, a frequent basis. Right, based on different goals and objectives of what we're trying to do for the customers and the people we support, and this document has sort of an outline. It's almost like a, almost like a project plan, or sort of like a, um, you know, like an RFP response. Right, it gives you this out great detail about what we're going to do in these sessions and workshops and things. And what she ended up doing was creating a form using Power Apps that you just go through and you ask answer a bunch of questions check a bunch of radio boxes about what you want don't want for the sessions and things you're going to work on and then when you're done it goes behind the scenes and generates a completed word document and so instead of me typing a word doc going through all of the fields and and maybe putting macros in uh, to update certain areas literally i go into a form in power apps answer a bunch of questions check a few boxes type some names of things whatever and then hit a button and then couple of seconds later, I get this beautiful multi-page document that I can then give to you know the people that we're supporting and it's crystal clear what were goals, the objectives, what their deliverables are. and it's just a nice document to hand them, right It looks very professional and and she did it in a couple of days just you know going through and sort of spending time looking at our business process and our group's workflows and just saying, well, why don't we just automate this? you know so I, I think you'll see a lot of that where you know let's let's take these repetitive, tasks, let's take these things that are, you know, taking us way too much time, find out how we can sort of automate them, remove that, that time from, you know, or, or give us back that time, and, and then let's find other higher value things we can do for our organizations, right, and, and sort of be able to drive a lot of our, you know, a lot better business outputs and, and results. So it's, it's interesting, but I, I mean, there's just so much innovation, and, and, I, and I see a lot of interest in it now um, across the board. I'm getting asked a lot of questions about it. Yeah, for sure. So, so
0: we we get that too as well. The challenge that I found is that. Um, and again, it's built to, for the pro dev, but also more, more importantly, for the not pro dev. So there's, a, it's it's a gateway for the pro dev. You can have a citizen developer takes take a concept, you know, 80% of the way. Then once it becomes at a critical mass, you know, a pro dev can pick it up and maybe convert it or do other devy things behind the scenes. And I love that because, uh, you know, historically, from what I've seen, a lot of the times is there's like that that line in the sand or that fence put up. Or devs are like nope can't do it you have to wait you have to put in we have to build all the application out and here's the free becomes this thing that never happens and by enabling um enabling those those more power users those people that are citizen developers uh which they'll become once they go through this this process you know it, it it takes a lot of crud off their table, you know, off their plate, like these small little trackers and these these other things. But they're so transformative, to your point, they're so transformative to an organization. You know, if you can save time and capture data and, and make things actionable or automated, uh, it, it definitely changes the way things go. But here here's a challenge I find is, is that people that are not familiar, they dip their toe and they're like, oh, I'm on the Power Apps portal and I'm signed in. And oh, look at this. There's an app for IT service desk. And they click on it and they install it. And they're like, yeah, but it's like all these weird names are in there. Like it's all sample data. You still have to – like the things that are pre-done that you can get from the market, you still have to wire them into you. And and I think that's where – You know, a lot of the times the messaging gets missed uh, and I I can't say loud enough that this is a great, tool. You can do a lot yourself. Uh, But if you're not really aware on how to wire into things, that's when you want to raise your hand and reach out to your development team and say, I need access because I need to see this data or reach out to a partner and say, hey, I want to do this. And I just don't know how to wire that in. And then once you get through one or two of those and then you find yourself able to do it, rolling down that path. Uh,
1: which is awesome for the for the product. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I I think a little bit of it also, you know, you need to really sort of spend time and think about your business and your business process. I've I've been in customer conversations where, you know, we've identified a business process that maybe didn't make sense and we try to uncover like, well, what was the reason for it or why it was there? And unfortunately, it was something that maybe created a long time ago or the person that, you know, created that concept, well, did it for some reason, but nobody knows why. and so it's like well okay we don't know why it's here why we're doing this task this way can we find a way to improve it um but it does i mean i think you know what's what i like about it is that you know when you start getting into looking at your business process and your flow and you're doing it in power apps and power automate it's A, it allows you to iterate quickly, right? And then it gives you this opportunity to really start thinking about your business process and your flow. And and yeah, maybe it makes sense to just write some custom code and because you've got this really deep process and workflow and, and it makes sense to do it outside and some other solution or, hey, you know what? It's already in the tool. We can d- take advantage of the things that are already part of the subscription, right? So it it's a balance, but um, yeah, I think a, a lot of it does require sitting down for a few minutes with, you know, with a partner with somebody you know somebody almost with a you know a clear view or, or maybe not a skewed view right of, of what the workflow and the process might have been, and asking those questions like why are we doing it this way like is there a reason is there like a compliance reason an audit reason legal reason like is there is a, is there justification why we have to do this this specific, specific, uh, specific way and if not, then can we change it right yep. and 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 also like sometimes you'll find like there are there are things that maybe you feel like you can't change, but if you just look at something, can you improve it a little bit? And then maybe a couple months later, or a year later, go back and can we improve it a little bit again? And as you continue to improve, guess what? You're going to end up changing it anyway. So <laughs> you know, even if you think something can't be changed, if you focus on maybe just small improvements, eventually that will will change.
0: Yep. It's either, it's either the Band-Aid gets ripped off and you make a big change or you sit there slowly and feel the pain of taking it away. Yeah, th- there was an organization when I was on the enterprise side a while back. They'll remain nameless to protect the guilty. Uh, when, I w- when I got there, I was in charge of this, this infrastructure team. And so, like, I started asking questions. And, and this was we, – we had multiple teams. We had, like, the core server infrastructure stuff, but then we also had, like, the support desk. And when I when I was looking at their process for for deploying gear, I said I, I looked and this 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 guy had this paper check sheet and he would go and he <sighs> would install something and he'd check it off I and mean, he'd run the script here and it would do a bunch of stuff and he would check a few things off. and and, and I scratched my head one day I was like, because I, I, I get in early I, I'm an early riser not a happy early riser but i'm an early riser and i get i get it it's like why are you do- stop what are you, why are you doing that i was like there, there's a better way to do this is like this is the this is the sheet i got when i was onboarded i was like have, and i was like how long have you been here it's like over five years or something like that. have you ever in five years <laughs> you come into work every day and you sit in front of a machine and you check boxes have you ever thought that there might be a better way to do my job and i just got a blank look you know like that's not motivation. Come on. <laughs> let's 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 yeah. look at it's looking critically at what we do. And and I love that. Um, so the one other thing I'm just going to kind of touch on real quick is you're going to hear a new phrase called data flex. We won't go too deep into it. Um, you're going to see a bunch of stuff coming out from that. So if you are familiar with the CDS. Uh, it's now going to have this option it's, or this name called Dataflex, and it's going to be a tiered plan. So you're, you're still going to be able to do all the stuff you can with with, the, with your team's licensing and what have you. But there's going to be also options for some more higher, higher powered needs. So um, keep that in mind. I, I know we talked briefly before we hit the record button today. Anything you want to call out on CDS or Dataflex? Are you seeing a lot of adoption with that? Um,
1: anything around that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, when, you know, you look at things like GDPR and various rules and regulations, you know, you know, could you spin up your own database? Could you set up a connector, right? Sure, you absolutely can. But, you know, when you're thinking about various rules and regulations, you know, it's great that when you look at DataFlex, right, the CDS platforms, it has those technologies already baked into it. And so when you need to do a data subject request or when you need to do some some auditing, the platform supports it. So... You know, it's always that balance between do you build or do you buy, right? And you know, here's, this, here's this addition now that you're getting in, in t- inside of that Office 365 M365 subscription that kind of gives you this extra level or an additional place to place data. I mean, don't forget, you can still put data in SharePoint lists, right? And there's and then even Excel files potentially and other aspects already built into the tool. So it's just a yet another data location that gives you some additional tools, like again, the GDPR subject request. So it's, it's a balance. I mean, I think it does require, again, spending a few minutes to go through the business process and the flow. And what does this data maybe fall under rules and regulations and what's important and how do we want to manage it? You know, how is it you know, protected? Things like that. Uh, version control, things, you know, things of that nature. And of course, auditability. Right. If you want to be able to see who made a modification to a field, right, the DataFlex and CDS, they, they give you those tools right out of the box.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was just looking, uh, at, but but my alarm was going off. Make sure we don't go over time, and then I just try to look real quick. You mentioned something that synapse fired in my brain is like SharePoint lists that's going to be a game changer for the quick enablement of of power apps so you like you have options to like does this need to be in cds or can i just stand up a list which does not require a bunch of sharepoint back end stuff anymore right because it's more surfaced from a list perspective so i think that's going to be huge and i know we've been waiting on that to be you know ga Uh, you know i go to the tenant like every morning and i'm like hitting refresh do we have it yet do we have it yet (laughs) is it there um so i think that's definitely going to be helpful too. Um, so the one thing I did find very absent from, from Inspire was other products, uh, even peripherally. Like SharePoint wasn't really talked about, uh, Stream and some of the uh, those other mechanisms, uh, forms, you know, lists. A lot of that was not at focus, or at least apparent to me. I didn't see a lot of sessions around those things. Uh, most of the sessions I saw was around you know security, um, Azure the whole stack, D365, the topics we talked about today, teams and more good teams. So um, that stuff is still focus for Microsoft to develop and grow and build. I think they're supporting products to the core things like we talked about
1: or heard about Inspire. Would you tend to agree with that or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're all going to be supported and continue to be innovated for a long time. I mean, remember like SharePoint and OneDrive and Stream, like they're all... You know, core foundations of M365, and and when you look at the team's experience, I mean, it takes advantage of all those rich tools. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of innovations. Probably not things that you know maybe are user facing, but like from sort of an admin or from a developer perspective, I mean, there's a lot of great innovations that have been rolling out for Stream and for SharePoint and for OneDrive and for even Yammer. Yammer's just rolled out a bunch of new things that you know, kind of makes me rethink some designs that I was considering for different Teams environments and, and um, you know, other Office 365 deployments. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fundamentally they're there. I mean, I think, you know, what's kind of the user facing tool right now for a lot of these? And I think Teams is that sort of that front end component. So highlighting the innovations that really, if you think about it, some of the innovations we're seeing in Teams are coming from SharePoint and Yammer and OneDrive, right? So, you know, and they're just being exposed as that front end in- interface. So, you know, while we, they may not have announced a lot of stuff, I mean, I think the innovation's happening across the stack. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, I know. I know a couple things. I get on the fence on, I mean, and we've discussed in the past, uh, not on recording, but um, like stream for public. You know, because like we we look at getting our media out in multiple different ways and, you know, things like that. I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping when I see the catalog for Ignite that there is some of those things, because if you look at user voice and things like that, there's a lot of noise around that. And and I'm not saying I'm not going to I'm not disparaging. It people who are looking at using SaaS and commodity product products. And making sure that, oh, this is my wheelhouse because it's more simplified than a bunch of back-end wrench turning. It's because it's at mass and so easily available that that's happening. I'm not disparaging. I'm saying it's just so available and widely used now that, you know, a lot of those features and things like that, I'm, I'm hoping that there is some for the public, some some focus on that coming in Ignite. And we'll see once the catalog gets out. That's in September, if I'm not mistaken. Should be, yeah. Yep. Cool. Any uh, final remarks or anything? I, th- I think we're at our we're at our cap for the time today. Anything else you want to add to the topics?
1: No, not that I can think of. I mean, I think you know I'm super excited about a lot of, like I said, the new features that are rolling out, and, and um, looking forward to 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 using them more over the coming coming weeks as they start rolling out to all of the all the clients. Yep. As I like to
0: say, stay tuned to this space.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you, as always, being on um, and to our to our crowd. Uh, please check the show notes for any kind of updates or links or things we've talked about today. We'll try to put in the show notes. And uh, have a good day. Stay safe, and we'll see everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you.